do anything other than that. But for days, I've had this burden on my heart. And when I realized that we had a baby dedication, there are many times, not always, but many times when we do a baby dedication, when I teach somewhat along these lines anyhow, and I just felt like it was all in God's timing. And so we're going to, we're going to forego the study of Matthew, and I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. I'm very well aware of the time And if you'll just help me, and if you'll bear with me, I want to deliver a burden, a real burden that I feel this morning. In fact, I'm going to tell you, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know when I have felt anything so strongly as I feel this this morning. I really feel like I am reaching for some folks today. Hallelujah. I'm I'm not talking about sinner folks. I'm reaching for them too. But I'm reaching for some church folks. Some apostolic folks. Some Pentecostal folks. I'm reaching for a lot of people this morning in the burden that I feel. So I ask you to open your heart and, uh, and receive with meekness the engrafted word that can save your soul. Hebrews chapter 11 beginning with verse 23. By faith Moses... When he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward by faith he forsook Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king for he endured as seeing him who is invisible through faith he kept the Passover and and the sprinkling of blood lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land which the Egyptians are saying to do drown this passage of scripture deals with a lot of choices Moses had to make there were choices he had to make do, do, do I allow myself to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter or the son of Abraham because the two don't go together. I've got to make a choice. Do I choose to suffer affliction with the people of God or enjoy the pleasures of sin? I've got to make a choice. Do I choose to esteem the reproach of Christ as greater riches than all the treasures that may one day be mine if I stay in the palace and Grow up as Pharaoh's grandson? I mean, all that will be passed my way. I'll enjoy all of that. I've got to make a choice. I've got to make a choice. Thankfully, Moses made all the right choices. At least in these things that are listed in Hebrews 11. You follow me? In these situations, he made the right choices. 
And so I want to talk to you for a little while tonight. I'm well aware of the time. Got a clock right here in front of me. I'm well aware where we are. But please let me, please let me share the burden of my heart today. I want to, I want to preach to you this morning about charting your children's choices. Charting your children's choices. I want my children to make the right choices. I want my grandchildren to make the right choices. And I'm telling you, there's some tough choices ahead in the world we're living in today. And they're going to get tougher. Well, hallelujah. May God bless the reading of His Word to your hearts. You may be seated this morning. I know we normally take time and pray again, but... We're, we're, we're rushing the clock, and I don't want to feel too rushed this morning. I, I, I just want to tell you there's a lot of things we could talk about in the life of Moses. Uh, uh, we, we could talk about how he was born during one of the worst times Israel has ever experienced. From their beginning, this is as bad as it has ever been. Are you going to help me this morning? This is as bad as it ever gets. The the people were being oppressed. They were being enslaved. And at the time when Moses is born, the male children are all being murdered. That's a bad situation. But that's the world Moses was born into. And I'm here to tell you Moses did not become the victim of his environment. I hear that so much and God's got to help me today because there is so much on my heart that I don't have the time to say but I'm tired of hearing people say well it's because of how I was raised. Honey, you've got a choice. You don't have to continue living the way you're raised. You don't have to accept what's going on in the world around you. You can make a choice to be different. Hallelujah. Moses was was in a bad, bad environment. Now, in order to keep from killing their children, you know this story, but but in order to keep from killing their child, um, Moses' parents took him. They they hid him as long as they could. Finally built an ark of the bulrushes and put it in the river uh, for him and asked his sister Miriam to stand over and watch and see what would happen. And, and so Miriam's watching and, and Pharaoh's daughter comes down and finds the baby in the basket and wants to take the baby as her own. And Miriam... And really, I believe it was divine inspiration that moved on Miriam to go running down to the river bank and say to Pharaoh's daughter, would you like for me to go find a Hebrew woman that can nurse this child and raise this child, take care of him, make sure he's fed properly? Would you like for me to do that? And Pharaoh's daughter not only agreed to do it, but she said, I'll pay the woman that does it. And by divine providence, Moses not only was not killed, but his mama got paid to raise him. Read it. It's in your scriptures. It's there. He, she said, I'll give you your wages. I'll give you your ra- wages uh, to raise this child. And so, and so Moses' mother had him. Now, listen. Moses' mother knew I've only got him for a little while. 
I don't have any choice in this matter. I'd like to be here. I'd like to bring him up. I'd like to be at his graduation. You know, I'd like to be at his bar mitzvah. I'd like to, whatever. I, I want to be there. I, I'd like to be at his, I, but I understand. I don't have a choice. I have to give him up to Pharaoh. I've got no choice. But I've got a few years that he's mine. And I'm going to take the time to make sure I put something in Moses. Listen, from, from the time that Moses was weaned, you got that? From the time he was weaned until he was somewhere around 40 years old, he lived in Pharaoh's palace. He had far more years living in the palace of Pharaoh, being dressed like an Egyptian sitting in the Egyptian schools, attending the Egyptian worship services. He had far more years doing that than what he had sitting on mama's knee. The very next time we read about Moses, Exodus chapter 2 verse 11 tells us this. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown. When Moses was what? Grown. He was grown. And so we, we don't know about what's going on, but we can surmise. We know that he's there. We know they're sending him to the best schools that Egypt has. We're, they're dressing him in the finest clothes that Egypt has. They're feeding him the best meals that Pharaoh can afford. I'm a grandpa. I know. Right? I mean, Pharaoh is his grandpa for all intents and purposes. Pharaoh's going to give him the best that there is. According to Egyptian standards. And they're drilling it in him. The Egyptians had many, many gods. Literally hundreds of gods they worshipped. The god of the sun. The god of the moon. They had a fly god. They had, they had all kinds of gods. I'm going to tell you, day in and day out, Moses is in school listening to them tell him about all these gods. They're drilling it in him. They're indoctrinating him. You're an Egyptian. You're an Egyptian. You're an Egyptian. More than 30 years, they put that in him. But one day when he's grown, he walks outside and he sees something going on. And it's an Egyptian abusing a Hebrew. And I want you to look at what it says. He, smi he, he spied an Egyptian smiting an Hebrew, one of his brethren. Now, most, most theologians will tell you that Moses himself wrote the book of Exodus. So if that's true, this is Moses' opinion. Moses knew, I'm not an Egyptian. I know they've been telling me that for 30 plus years. I'm not an Egyptian. That Hebrew is my brother. I'm coming to the defense of my brother. I wish somebody would feel what I'm feeling this morning. I'm telling you 30 plus years of indoctrination and attempted brainwashing could not convince Moses of anything contrary to what his mother had put in him in just a few years time. It wasn't because mama sent him off to the rabbi once a week and expected the rabbi to make changes in him. 
Somebody listen to this preacher. It wasn't because Moses attended three services a week. It was because every day, every day in that home, mama's putting it in him. There's one God. There's one God. There's one God. Don't ever forget it. I don't care what they do. I don't care what they say. You are not an Egyptian. You are not an Egyptian. Moses understand this land is not your home we are not a part of this this is not where we belong get it in your head Moses don't ever forget it Moses she had only a few years a few years to try to make sure that no matter what they did to him they could never undo what she put in him. Hallelujah. And so it was. Read again from our text, Hebrews 11, verses 24 to 29. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be refused. called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused. I'm not Pharaoh's daughter. She's not my mama. Pharaoh's daughter's not my mama. That's not the voice of mama. That's right. What was it the kids in the song cried out when they heard Shema Yisroel? What did they cry out? Mama! They knew the voice of mama was singing one God. That was mama's voice. That's what mama taught them. That's what mama put in them. Six years, six years in those schools could not undo what mama put in them. But it wasn't because they just sent him off on the Sabbath day and got a few hours of teaching. Oh, God, help me not to get ahead of myself here. I'm telling you, there was something that went on in the home of Moses in just a few years. Mama had a determination. Daddy had a determination. I'm going to chart the choices that Moses makes. I'm going to put enough principles in him. I'm going to set his priorities so that when he comes of age, he makes the right choices. I'm going to make sure. And so when he was come to years... He made a choice. I'm not Pharaoh's. I'm not the daughter of. I'm not the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. I am a part of these people who are enslaved. That's who I am. That's my heritage. I've got the opportunity to live free. I've got the opportunity to live in wealth. I've got the opportunity to walk the marble halls of the palace. But that's not who I am. How did he come to that conclusion? He didn't just wake up one day and decide, you know, I'm a Jew. But the parents had spent enough time in those few years that they had with him. I can promise you, if, if weaning him was going to be the cutoff point, Moses' mama was not in any hurry to get him weaned. Right? Would you be? He's not in any hurry to get him weaned. Because as soon as I wean him, he's their property. And I want to make sure before he ever goes, I've established enough principles in his mind and heart that when the time comes for him to choose, he knows what choices to make. Read. 
than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. I can have pleasure, but I don't want that. I es want affliction. Esteeming the reproach of Christ. I'd rather have reproach. Greater riches than the treasures, than treasures. of Egypt. These are hard choices. For he had respect unto recompense of the reward. But he's making the right choice because somebody taught him right. And we could go on and read. But I'm telling you, at the crucial juncture, at the time in which Moses had to make a decision that would not only affect his destiny, but the destiny of his entire race, Moses made the right choice. Not by accident. But because mama and daddy charted those choices. Mama and daddy set the path. Mama and daddy instilled in him the truth to the point there was no question about what was right. There was no question about what direction to go. Mama, mama and daddy had made that choice. Read Hebrews eleven twenty three. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hit three months. Was hit of his three parents. months of his parents because they because saw they he, was, saw a he was a proper child, child and, and they were not afraid. They of the king's were not afraid of the king's commandment. Mom and daddy had their priorities right. There's something more important than what Pharaoh has to say, and that's my child and making sure my child survives. It's more important than what the government tells me. Well, it's more important than what the rest of the world around me thinks. This is what is important to me. I got to raise my son right. I got to make sure he survives. I got to make sure he lives for God. That's the most important thing to me. Hang on. It appears to me that Moses' parents had a proper set of values. That's how they were able to instill it in their child. Moses' mother spent those few years she had making sure he was full of the truth. Now I can take you, I don't have time to go to every scripture that I want to go to this morning. Just stay with me a few more minutes. But listen, Moses is not alone. I could take you to a number of examples in the scripture where, where uh, young people had to make a choice. At a crucial moment. You ever thought about Daniel and his three friends? They have been carried away as captives. They are hundreds of miles away from mama and daddy. There's not a preacher looking over their shoulder. But the king brings out food that they're not supposed to eat. Now these four are not the only Jews that are in that palace. You hear me? They're not the only Jews that are there. And all the other Jews are putting on their bibs and getting out their knives and forks. Well, I've never had pork chops, but smells good. Are you hearing me? But while all the other Jews around the table are getting ready to dive in, there are four of them there that said, mm -mm, we don't eat this. They're not in mom and daddy's home anymore. They will probably never see mama and daddy anymore. They don't have a preacher they're going to have to answer to. But they're making choices. Read verse 8 of Daniel 1. I, I've got to read a few of these. Daniel 8 and 1. But Daniel, I'm 1 and 8. I'm sorry. 
But Daniel purposed in his Daniel heart. Daniel purposed in his heart. That Daniel made a choice. I submit to you, he didn't make that choice by accident. You want to know why Daniel could make a choice like that? Because before Daniel was ever taken captive, he had a mama and a daddy that was teaching him some things. They were putting it in him. They were establishing principles in his heart. Now look, you think of Daniel as being some grown man, but but I want you to hear this. Verse 17, read verse 17. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. I'm sorry, I thought I gave you the verses. I got them right here, I'm sorry. All right, he's doing good, just reading out of the Bible. All right, and start verse 17 again. As for these four children. As for these four what? What? And I looked that up to make sure that in the Hebrew it's really children. And honey, it's children. Yes, sir. These were not adults. These were most likely not even late teenagers. These were children. They'd only had a few years in the home of their mom and their dad. But there was something that was put in them in those few years. That even when they are hundreds of miles from home, no church anywhere in sight, no preacher anywhere around. They said, we're going to do what's right. We're going to choose to live right. Listen to me, mom and dad. I'm telling you, somehow we got to come to an understanding. We need to get a revelation today. This same book, just a couple of chapters later, tells about three of these four. I don't know where Daniel was. Somebody said, I'll tell you where Daniel was. He was right where God wanted him to be. Good enough answer for me. I don't know where he was at this point, but I do know this. I don't believe he bowed. But I will tell you, there were hundreds, there were thousands of Jews present when the idol was erected and the music started playing. And there were hundreds, yea, thousands of Jews that immediately bowed down. But there were three who said, we don't bow to false gods. When everybody else that's Jewish is doing it. Everybody else that's, these are the only three. They're standing out in the crowd. Now, I don't know. I don't know. I heard one man say that maybe, maybe the other Jews said, oh, we're not bowing. We're just tightening the the laces on our sandals. Oh, a nice shiny rock. I'm not bowing. I, I don't know what they're doing, but they appear to be bowing to everyone else to save their own skin. But at a moment when they had to choose, and it was a matter of life or death, these three said, we know what's right. We've been taught right. We've been raised right. And we've got the right set of values. And so they answer Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 to 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, oh, we Nebuchadnezzar, are not careful. We're not careful. Thee in this we don't even have to think about it. We don't have to weigh it out. We don't have to give it consideration. I don't have to ask for three days to pray and fast. You want to know what we're going to do? We're not careful to answer you in this matter. Read. If it be so. If it be so. Our God our whom we God serve whom is we able serve. to Listen, deliver do you understand that alone was a slap in Nebuchadnezzar's face? Because he's telling them to worship another God. And they said, we're not worshiping your God. We worship our God. 
and our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the, from the burning, burning fiery, fiery furnace, furnace. and, and he, he will deliver us, deliver us hand, out of your king. hand O king whether or not he gets us out of the furnace is his business but one way or the other you don't get the final say you put us in the fire maybe we die but if we do we're still in God's hands well I know I know I know some of you don't like for me to talk about the way you raise your kids but that's what I'm preaching to you about this morning and I'm going to tell you we're doing it not everybody but too many too many of us are doing a terrible job of instilling proper principles in our children. The story that we watched a little while ago, these kids, three and four years old, taken out of the arms of their mama, six years, six and a half years, they're indoctrinated, twice as long as they'd been with mama. But when the time came, they knew who they were and they knew what they believed. Listen to me, that doesn't happen because you send your kid to Sunday school once a week. Doesn't happen because you have them in church three times a week. They're not going to get it. What are we in church? Two hours at a time maximum? Out of three weeks, out of three days, six hours? Count prayer meeting, throw another hour or two in there? Still, out of a week's time, that's not much. And you think that little bit of time is going to counteract what they are being bombarded with everywhere they look, everywhere they go, everything they hear? It ain't happening, honey. And I'm going to tell you something. If something doesn't happen in the hearts of parents, we are about to face an age where our children are not going to survive what's about to happen to the church of the living God. God's going to take care of his people. But I'm going to tell you something. We better take care of the ones God put in our hands. We better get a burden for our kids like we have never had before. I know some of you don't like this, but it doesn't matter. I'm trying to save your kids. I'm telling you, you cannot fill their heads all week long with stuff that's contrary to God and expect them to come out smelling like a rose. How? How? How did Moses make the right choice? How did Daniel make the right choice? It wasn't by accident. And it wasn't because mom and daddy just kept it. Well, I'm a Jew. I'm a Jew. Okay, I'm a Jew. All right, time to go to synagogue. We're Jews. That, that's not enough. The parents were actively, if I can use the word indoctrinating their children. Day in, day out. It's a 24-7 thing. Scripture gives us clear, clear parental mandates. And I really am hurrying along. I really don't have that many more scriptures to read. Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. This is a scriptural mandate. It is your responsibility to train them in the way they should go. That's your obligation. 
Now, thank God for the two amens I got. But it's the truth anyhow. It's your obligation to train them in the right way. Let me throw something at you that really hit me. Some of you are not going to like what I'm about to say, but I'm plotting on anyhow. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. And your fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them but up. bring them up. In the nurture. In the what? Nurture. In the what? Nurture. In the nurture. And admonition. And admonition. Of the Lord. Of the, does anybody know what nurture means? We've heard that verse quoted over and over and over, but do you know what it means? I don't think so. Can I be honest with you? I didn't really understand the fullness of what the word, I thought I had a pretty good clue of what it meant to nurture somebody. But when I looked at the Greek word that was translated nurture, the word means, are you ready? The whole training and education of children. Oh, it really got quiet. And it's getting quieter. Because I knew you wouldn't like what I'm about to tell you. The whole training and education of children. Which relates to the cultivation of mind and morals. And employs for this purpose now commands and admonitions. Now reproof and punishment. Here's what the Bible says. The command of God is that you nurture that you educate your children. In accordance with God's laws. It is not the responsibility of the government to educate your children. Oh, you're getting quiet. Are you going to let me pastor you even when it comes to your kids? Are we just going to select what I get to pastor? It is not the government's job to train your children. And the government's not going to do it in accordance with the laws of God. But this is a command from God that you educate them. In accordance with God's law. That's the command of God. That everything they hear, everything they learn ought to be based on the principles of God. That's your job. I've read to you about Moses' mama who had no choice. Her baby is taken from her. Daniel's mama had no choice. Her baby was taken from her. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, their, their mamas had no choice. But you know what we're doing? We're putting nice little ribbons and bows on our kids and saying, here, Mr. Government, take our kids and teach them. You train them. You teach them. Oh, well, preacher, I stay on top of it. You can't stay on top of everything they're getting. It's absolutely impossible. And I'm telling you, it's getting worse and worse by the day. We are living in a society that's making me sick at my stomach. I don't even know how to deliver the burden I've got. The Boy Scouts of America just voted to allow homosexuals in their group. Oh, they're not going to have gay scout leaders. 
Yeah, how long do you think that's going to last? They've given on this point. When will they give on the next one? And furthermore, I don't want a, a homosexual boy sleeping in the tent with my little boy. So what are we going to do? Withdraw? Well, that doesn't sound like a bad idea. In fact, that sounds like a scriptural idea. Come ye out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing. And I worry, some of you aren't liking one little bit what I'm saying. But I'm telling you, I'm preaching the burden of my heart today. I'm telling you, this is the way it is. We had better wake up, church. We had better wake up. We are sacrificing our kids on the altars of government education. Well, I can't afford it. I can't afford it. You can afford anything you want. And you do afford anything you want. If anybody here that tells me you can't afford it, come talk to me. I'll go through the list of things you own that you can sell and get rid of that you don't have to have. I, I knew, I knew. I prayed, God, please help me. Please help me. I don't want to say this wrong. I don't want to come across as arrogant and cocky. I'm worried about our kids. I am watching the world around us get filthier and more disgusting and more vile. And we as apostolics are just... Sending our kids off. Here you go. Take them right in. Teach them what you want to teach them. Oh, my kids will never believe evolution. They come to church. What are you going to do if we face a time where our kids are taken from us? Have you put enough in them right now that they can withstand years of brainwashing and indoctrination? I don't think you have. If you're sending them off to the government schools. I know, I know. This is not what you expected this morning. And I know some of you don't like it. I can't help that. I can't help it. I've got to deliver the burden of my heart. I'm telling you, church, we have got to have our kids as a higher priority than nice purses and nice dresses and nice shoes and nice cars. And nice playthings and computers and iPads and iPhones. Our kids have got to be more important to us. We've got to make some sacrifices. If we can't sacrifice for our kids, we will sacrifice our kids. Oh, Jesus, I'm facing so much opposition this morning. But I'm in the book. The nurture. Everyone say nurture. That word means the entire educational process. Bring up your children in the nurture. And admonition of the Lord. Bring them up in the nurture. And admonition of the Lord. Let me give you one more scripture. Proverbs 19.27. Cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causeth to err from the words of knowledge. I've given you two scriptures that talk to the parents. I want you to consider, here's a scripture that talks directly to the child. And the child is given a scriptural command not to even listen to words that are contrary 
to God's law. I just want to ask you a question. Could it be that when we require our kids to go sit and listen, we send them off to schools where we know they're going to teach evolution, we know they're going to teach homosexuality as a, is a, is just an alternate lifestyle, we know they're going to hear those things. The Bible says they're not supposed to hear those things. That's why I don't have a television in my home. I don't want my kids or my grandkids hearing those things. But you send them off to school and make them hear it. Don't tell me our schools don't do it. I taught in the public school system 30 years ago. Almost 30 years ago. And I was so disgusted by what I saw then that I made up my mind my kids will never, ever attend a public school. That was almost 30 years ago. It hasn't gotten better. I brought home, and I still have them in my file cabinet, papers that taught kids. I'm talking early teenage kids, perverted sexual practices. 25 plus years ago in the public schools. And you think it's better now? I know, I know. Somebody said, well, why don't you open a Christian school? I'm going to tell you why I don't have a Christian school. Because there's not enough people that have it as a priority to make the sacrifices. And it's not my job. It's your job. Now, if the church can help, I'm not opposed to us helping. But I can't do it. My wife can't do it. Some of you parents are going to have to get a burden and say, you know, I'll make some sacrifices. I'll scale down. You know, a few years ago, gas hit $4 a gallon. I was driving an SUV. Anybody remember that? I enjoyed my SUV. I like driving that big vehicle because when preachers came to town, I could take them and their families, all of them, in one big vehicle. I enjoyed that. But when gas hit $4 a gallon, I couldn't keep paying $85 a week to fill it up. I didn't have the money. So you know what I did? I sold it and bought a Honda. Can't haul nearly as many people, but I can afford to fill it up with gas. You make sacrifices. So you can afford to do what needs to be done. Come on church. America is too used to living on credit. We got to get out of that mindset. We got to make some sacrifices. We got to scale down. Oh God help me today. I know you'd rather me get up and preach Acts 2.38 and a lot of other things. And there's a time for that. But I'm trying to reach your kids. And I don't care if I preach Acts 2.38 every service from now to the rapture comes. If you don't get a burden for your kids and you don't make some sacrifices for your kids, all of my preaching is in vain. We're going to lose them if the parents don't understand. I've only got a few years. And in those few years, I've got to put something in their hearts that when it's time for them to make decisions, they make the right ones. 
somebody help this preacher this morning I've got such a burden I've got such a drive this morning I'm telling you something's gotta happen in our minds these Jewish moms thought that they were helping their kids by sending them off into the hands of the Catholics and the Lutherans but they almost lost them and some of them were lost in fact, the same article where I read the story that I related to you said in that article, many of those Jewish children were never recovered. One rabbi went to one place and got a bunch of kids back. But there were a whole lot of kids in a whole lot of places that never were brought back to their Jewish roots. Are you willing? Are you willing to hand your kids over to a system that is determined to make your child one of them. And don't kid yourself, that's their goal. Maybe not the individual teachers, but the administration. The Kansas State School Board just the other day met to hear about this uh, common core curriculum that is, that is pushing homosexuality, that, that, is, that is pushing even anti-American curriculum parent after parent stood before that board and pled their cause and when they got through the, the, the board of education looked at them and said we didn't hear anything changed our minds we're going forward with it And that's where your kids are being indoctrinated that's where they're being taught are you happy with that are you okay with that is that acceptable to you as a parent you're not going to change it. Well, some of you are not liking this. I've practiced what I preached. Not one of my children attended public school. When it was mine to make the determination, we did whatever we had to do. When we were in home missions and had nothing, my wife still homeschooled our kids. My kids went to either homeschool or a Christian school every day of their life. I lived it. I'm not preaching to, to you something after the fact that I wish I'd have done. I have no regrets about the education of my children. And I'll put their education up against anybody else's. Well, hallelujah. But you want to know why we've accepted this? Because we've convinced ourselves we can't afford anything else. And I'm telling you, you can. I'm telling you, you can. I said you can. Because you afford a lot of things. Don't tell me what you can't afford if you go out to eat. Restaurants are not cheap. I'm just telling you, there's a lot of things that we can go through and mark off of our lists if our kids really become the priority they need to be. Something needs to happen around here at New Life Pentecostal Church. We have grown too comfortable with letting the government have our children. And they're going to come back to us one day as the product of government training. Musicians, you better come. I've got, to, I've got to try to close. It is not 
the government's job to nurture your children. It's not the church's job to nurture your children. It's your job to chart their choices. You need to be doing something every day to make sure they not only know this truth, they love this truth. I've watched four-year-olds recite the entire books of the New Testament. Five and six-year-olds recite the books of the Bible. Can your kids do that? Why not? Because the Sunday school teacher hadn't gotten them to? It's not the Sunday school teacher's job. That's your job. That's your responsibility. Have I become your enemy because I've told you the truth? I'm preaching my burden this morning. I'm not trying to be mean and hateful. I'm just telling you, I'm worried because I see dark clouds on the horizon. I see where America's headed. And if we don't shake ourselves right now, it's going to be too late. Something's got to happen. Something's got to change, and it's got to change yesterday. We're going to have to wake ourselves up and say, look, no more, no more. My kids are too important to me. If I don't get all the nice toys that I want, if I don't get all the nice things that I want, that doesn't matter as long as my child grows to live for God and serve God and goes to heaven. That's all that matters to me. I'm telling you, they're watching what's important to you. They see. They know how important those nice clothes are that nice car is and they know they see where your value system is no matter what you say with your words they watch your life and they see that those things are more important than a godly education they see that. But doesn't it need to change? Does anybody today feel a burden? God, I've got to do something better for my kids. God, I've got to instill this truth in them. I've only got a few years. I'm telling you, time passes so fast. Time passes so fast. It just seems like yesterday that my first one was born. It just seems like yesterday that we had three little ones running around the house and now my wife and I, nobody left there but the two of us. Where did it go? What happened? How did it happen so fast? And I'm telling you, parents, it's going to happen to you. And when they're out on their own, where are they going? What are they going to do? What choices are they going to make? I'll tell you what choices they make. They'll make the choices you taught them to make by the things that are most important to you. Your job, if your job is more important to you, they see that. They know that. They know that. I can't tell you I've been perfect, but I've tried through the years.
as much as the church is my life, and you know it is. Those of you that have been around any amount of time, you know this church is my life. You know I will literally give up everything I've got to see the church go forward. I'm not bragging. It's the way I feel. But I've tried while my kids were there to make sure I want you to know you're more important to me than a job. I want you to love God. I want you to serve God. I want you to make the right choices. I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in truth. I don't care if they're not top executives. I don't care if their name is never in lights. If their name is in the Lamb's Book of Life, that's what's important to me. If they can't speak six or seven languages, if they just know how to pray. I want to put something in my kids and now in my grandkids. I want them to grow to serve God and to love God. Play softly if you would. I've got to quit. My time is way past up. to make some decisions it's time to make some choices and I'm, I, 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 if I've come across as mean and arrogant I apologize publicly because that's not my intention I really will sit down and help you I'll help you I'll help you come up with a budget I'll help you find ways that you can do it because I believe what I'm preaching to you I believe what I'm preaching. This is not just the words of a sermon. It's my heart. I love your kids. I love them as if they were my very own. And I don't want them every day to be blasted with garbage. I'm hearing the truth. I want them hearing what's right. I want them hearing the word of God. I want what they hear through the week to just reinforce what they hear when they come to church. <laughs>